0: What is that song? Oh,
1: Fuck
0: no! but that, that is an one. absolute screamer of a tune. <laughs> Might so well start there. That's a nice little, nice little jingle little to bring us in. Turn intro. Hello and welcome to BYOB. Bring your own blockbuster. What episode are we at, Jack? It's number twelve, number thirteen,
1: uh, No, fourteen, maybe.
0: Fourteen, gosh, this is yeah. this is really quite. We've we've well, done no, a lot wait, of films now. It will be now. thirteen. Hang on, thirteen. Wait, no, this, okay, like, we've this is. We've done quite this a few. Appalling. This is really nice. Work. I'm sort of like when you actually episode think. 13.
1: About, get episode get 13. In. thirteen. Episode thirteen. Sorry to jump in. I agree. It's lovely. It's good fun.
0: It's we really nice. Just had to make
1: sure we were we were not propagating fake news there.
0: Yeah, um, I would hate that. And like, that the my voice is sound of Ben Haynes and the voice, the other voice you can hear is the sound of Jack William Hussey. And Jack, the thing right. I would like to know from you is, are you a man that deals well in the heat? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Generally speaking, no. And How are you, getting on this time around? you might be able to see from my sort of rosy face at the moment. Um, Betty is in town. Let's just put it that way. Mm.
0: Mate, I was going to say exactly the same thing. Like, my face is, like, it's really red and I'm, like, touching my eyes a lot and sort of just, like, really clammy, just look disgusting. So it might be one, if you're watching on the video, maybe time to sort of switch over to the audio version for today. You'll get more chat anyway. Yeah, exactly. Loads more in there.
1: Absolutely loads. But do you know what the problem is, though? If they are watching the audio version, they're not going to hear this bit anyway. That's a great
0: point. Wait, you get the first, like, 30 seconds, I think. PURDS gives, like, a little gives a little taster and then he leaves people wanting more and then just dances onto the film just as people are getting into our magnificent chat at the top. He's just like, well, that's enough for you. Over you go to Apple P- Purdy or Google. Hates,
1: Purdy hates our chat. He hates the waffle, doesn't he? <laughs> Producer it,
0: really, it does a little something for me that does. Knowing that at this point, Purdy's probably thinking, like, I guarantee, I don't know whether he is actually WhatsApp to us or not, because we kind of communicate a bit with through WhatsApp to Perds as we're going. And I guarantee that he's thinking at this moment in time, I'm going to go and eat my dinner now while you two chat bollocks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but he is anti. He's anti waffle. um
0: and, uh, uh, You and I, couple of duo, Captain Bird's Eyes, mate.
1: Oh, yeah, very, very pro, very, yeah. very pro. Birds has just you know.
0: gone. He's just sent us a message saying, "Shut it." <laughs> Do you, you remember? Come um, go on, come, go 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 go
1: The old Bird's Eye potato waffle advert with the song, the Bird's Eye potato waffle.
0: No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I, I, loved it mate i love did you ever though because but well, right. but did you ever cook them in the toaster because i saw no, them people cooking them in
1: the toaster on the advert and i thought only recently
0: really that you, was it a it covid discovery for me and it does work different texture though is what i will say while we're okay. here can i can i as we sort of veered onto this things this is a podcast about films from the 90s and noughties when you had a friend back to your house after school, sort of playdate style, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your all-time goat sort of like, like your 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 sort of lead star, your carb, and then your your kind of, I guess your beans on the side. What do you know what I mean by that? You kind of had because for me it was. Turkey dinosaurs. Mate,
1: exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. I was just gonna say that. It's turkey dinosaurs
0: and chips. Exactly. Like and the, the occasionally mix it up with an alpha bite, you know the potato yeah. thing, <laughs> the shape of the Or the <laughs> smileys. You or know, the potato smileys. The... World class. Yeah. Just a yeah. just wonderful, wonderful beige. Um and yeah. then and then some spaghetti like the tinned spaghetti as well. Oh, yeah. magnificent. <laughs> Absolutely magnificent. It was a simple dinosaurs, time. man. Imagine if I tried to pull that off now, if I tried to serve that up now, I I would be overjoyed, but I feel like I'd get a lot of very, very tasty glares from even my missus or my family.
1: I reckon you could do it in that way of like, "way nostalgia meal. Look, it's nostalgia
0: while you're sitting there like, oh, (laughs) mummy.
1: Streaming like (laughs) naughties television programs and stuff like that on in the background. Yeah, do you
0: ever see those images where it's on, maybe on Instagram, it's like, could you finish this? And it's just a table full of beige food. Yeah, but I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I bloody
1: could. When people do the thing of like, and people say British cuisine is bad. And it's <laughs> yeah, all just exactly. like, yeah, all like I would,
0: always had that thing chicken nuggets. And shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, the you know, the man versus food thing. Well, no, not man versus food. It was, it was, there was a, a I think it was like a 90 show or a naughty show called you are what you eat. And they would oh. do the bit at the beginning where she'd bring out a, a, a table for the food and go, "This is what you eat in a week. It's disgusting, isn't it?" And I'd be sitting there, looking at the table, going, "God, I would do anything to eat all that in yeah, front of like me that right now." Fast. <laughs> it just she just was that really? Amazing. Is that,
1: that Gillian McKeith? She was the pooey woman. Yeah, she'd get people to poo in boxes, but she's since <laughs> gone. Like
0: well, she's, she's road, gone off he? the
1: deep end, hasn't she? I think. Gillian Didn't McKee. it happen
0: after she died? A celebrity.
1: Perhaps, yeah. I and think I, she's gone I, v- super the, out there with a lot of her stuff now. L- oh, not has like she? she was particularly reined in previously. Well, right? Yeah,
0: with the pooing in the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop touching people's poo. Anyway, this is a podcast actually about films, I promise. We do yeah. talk about films and not just people's poo. On occasion, on occasion. <laughs> how Actually, how are you firstly otherwise, mate? You all good? Yes, all good, mate. I've been... Uh,
1: this week, I have been... In Prague for the Europa Conference League Mate, final. So I got that, to see...
0: Was that only this week?
1: Yeah. So I got to see West Ham lift a trophy. I got to see Declan Rice triumphant before I see Harry Kane for Tottenham. I mean... And they were so happy and I was so jealous. I was yeah, so jealous.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet. I just ready to come home from the moment that the, the, the full-time whistle went. I bet you were just like, just get me out of here. I'm done yeah, now.
1: Yeah. But... This is again a podcast about films. This isn't
0: a football. So it's nice is that it? we have this as a getaway. Did you go to cinema? Yeah, oh,
1: I didn't this week. I haven't, but I've been watching more Barry. So again,
0: ah, oh, nice. To
1: anybody listening, watch Barry.
0: Is it that? And are you, are you in the sort of? Are you in deep now? I am. Yeah,
1: I'm halfway through series three of four. So oh,
0: nice, nice. Yeah, so you're well and truly into the, the. Is it getting to the point where you're kind of? Because this is what happened to me with Beef. It gets to the point where if I had a spare hour, I'd just fill it immediately with an episode of it. And then I get to the end yeah, of the episode yeah, yeah, and be yeah. like, what, one, one more? <laughs> Straight away, one more? It's just you're so good.
1: tempting, isn't it?
0: Always. Always. Especially it, when it's it, a
1: school night and it's like half 12 and you're like, mm.
0: gosh, mate, you, do you manage a half 12? If I get to half 12, that's a miracle. I'm I, trying I, to be
1: cool, mate. It's generally I'm in bed by 10 o'clock most, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> but I do... But I thought I did. I'd just throw a number out there that would seem like not weird. But yeah, <laughs> man, I'm in bed by 10. I,
0: mate, I, if I... Uh, now I'm so sort of tragic. I'm really aware of like, can I get eight? But, can but I get I like
1: eight? A, can't just say that's very kind of you. I like how you know me well enough now to call me on my bullshit though. Just in the way of like Are you are you are you making half twelve? Really? Are you making half twelve? Really? I mean I don't I'll really like, say I don't but just, you know.
0: I just had this image in my mind of you just on the sofa like <laughs> <laughs> sort of yeah. like one arm hanging off like and then and then your missus being like, Jack, please, come on. Come on I now. Know,
1: no, she's she's asleep way before i am man oh really I, oh yeah, yeah yeah big big faller <laughs> of sleeper in front of the telly I, do you know what i mean i like, really
0: enjoy it though i really i do get a lot from it on a sunday afternoon if i've got a film on i just feel my eyes getting heavy i just feel it straight away and i'm like oh i could just sort of get slotted in here you know Really after get like to... you've had
1: your your walk and your kind of roast on the roast yeah eaten yeah, way too then...
0: much go and change into the slightly comfier slacks yeah, and yeah. Get, get myself sort of like tucked in there and we'll like oh should we pop a film on like yeah we, i mean we can i'm not watching it but we can put one on i'll be fast asleep in five minutes It's
1: generally a rule in our house really most of the time where it's like if if the other one has come in from being outside and is wearing jeans it's just like Please change out of those. Like, yeah, you're you making just, me on edge. You just being sat there in jeans is making me uncomfortable. Could as you I'm please here just my, go and
0: yeah. move into a more comfier pair of trousers? Um, yeah. So, mate, I, I, I did make it to cinema this week. You did? Yes. And I saw Bo is Afraid. Right. Okay. I am. Um, I I haven't seen
1: it advertised anywhere yet, mate. I really like Hereditary, Midsummer. I love them love Ari Aster as a as a director as a writer but i've heard very bad things about this
0: have you have you watched anything of him interviewed after either of those films or seen him talk about them no okay right cuz i again i'm similar to you i really in, enjoyed hereditary i'm i'm haven't seen midsummer but i would like to um and this was honestly dreadful like this was so oh, bad. So bad. I'm seething. Like M- I mean, Mayo
1: was gunning it the other day.
0: Yeah, and you could tell he was holding back as well. So the thing with this is, right? It's if I could it's really hard to describe this film, and I will just kind of give a I'll be like wee 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 wee, wee siren for spoilers. I'm gonna spoil <laughs> it now. Um the only way I can describe it. Is like a three hour fever dream. You know, okay. you know, when you, I don't know whether you had this when you had COVID, right? But you're getting the sweats and you mm-hmm. can barely sleep and you don't know mm-hmm. whether you're awake or asleep or not. And you're having these mm-hmm. crazy intense dreams. It's like three hours of that. Okay. You, you're sitting there, you can't work out where you are. You can't place anything. You are just popping from day to night to kind of, you go from night to sort of, even further into the night, but then suddenly you're on the next day and you can't work out whether you're in the same day or not. There are so many theories swirling around online about, oh, does it mean this and does it mean that? And Ari Aster's kind of talked that down since. And this is why I sort of asked about whether you, you've maybe seen him interviewed or not before because he's spoken, he sort of said, listen, if you try and tether yourself to any part of this film, if you try and cling on to any single part of narrative or character, it won't work for you. So to me, and I don't want to be disrespectful to people who enjoyed it because I'm sure there are some people who really got a lot from it. But for me, it was like a three hour nightmare. And I just, really? Yeah. And I don't understand why, if you're telling people, Oh, don't try and attach yourself to any of the, any of the story or any of the narrative.
1: what is it that got like? Is it one of those films where there's no like clear kind of narrative that it's more just like a strange series of scenes on screen that yeah? Do you know what a, I mean? Yeah, some films are characterised. David Lynch films, for example. Sure, you know.
0: Sure, it, 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 it's I, a th- it's a three hour mood palette, and okay. it, and I don't understand if you're going to do why bother? Because the thing is, is there is clearly a semblance of a story, but if you're going to Do a mood palette. Why bother with a story at all? You know, why Mm. even there's no need. You don't need to bother with any of it. And I have a real bugbear with the trailer because the trailer made it look about like made it look like it was a sort of study of consciousness of this lead character on a journey to try and find an end point. But there is no end point. It, It just it just drifts from random chaos to random chaos. And I counted eight people left the cinema. That, that we, were, we were watching it Eight people walked out of the film And I mean We were sort of sat there Me and my partner Kind of sat there And we we're like I've come so far with this I'm going to get to the end And just see whether this does Get to anything But it was just so bleak And there's so much discomfort And the, the, the run time was so long it, it, The other thing is, is It's been pitched in part As a comedy And there were moments that where you laughed, but sort of like 15 minutes in between the laughs. So it wasn't even like you had a chance to laugh and then be like, oh, this is really moving me now. I'm really enjoying this. It would just be like, laugh, go stationary again. It was, honestly, mate, it was really, I think there's a reason why it kind of hasn't caught on at all.
1: Um, Can you see it being one of those ones, though, in 10 years' time, it's a cult classic?
0: Well, he said that since. He said... I didn't want to release this film now. This film I shouldn't talk about this film now. I should talk about this film in 10 years' time. And I, I on one hand, I kind of get that, but I also do have a real problem with this. When you go to the cinema and you come away and you feel like sometimes a film is looking down on you. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, 100% you, know
1: what you mean, yeah.
0: You come away and it's like, oh, you just aren't deep enough to get it. And to me, I found f- that
1: with um, Aronofsky's Mother. Remember the mm-hmm. one with Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem?
0: Yep, yeah. Um, I couldn't and, stand that film. But, and you, you there's, know. there's, I think because I really like Ari Aster as a as a director or a creator, yeah. but I felt like the film was arrogant. I felt like the film, in the way that it was kind <clears throat> of speaking to the audience, to just give you. A, sorry, I know I'm really sort of going off on one here, but the, no, the way I'm that it, it, the way that the film essentially begins. Is with total chaos. So the beginning of the film is literally... like if you tried to think of the most chaotic scene that you could, almost kind of like end of the world style. Like there is just people committing crimes out on the street, and just things are on fire, and there's a there's giant spiders on the loose, and he is he's just in he's in total. Anxiety at the state of the world, and literally the the film is called "Bo is Afraid." He's afraid of everything. It's proper hypochondriac, but it doesn't do anything with that. It just presents three hours of him being afraid of absolutely everything, <laughs> and you are like, it, it's because of that. It's so intense and uncomfortable that you don't actually ever get a release from any of that tension. The film just kind of ends, sort of just it just finishes at least
1: it is at least affecting filmmaking though
0: yeah yeah exactly so, you know exactly. let's give them that so it is so, so it it if the intention of the film as i said if the intention of the film is to make you just feel uncomfortable then it is a roaring success but i don't understand why you couldn't have done that in an hour and 45 minutes and just said like this is a a study into the idea of presenting discomfort. But then even that you, I'm sure people go back and be like, no, but well, that's the whole point of it. It's got to go for that long so that you feel like the discomfort for that long. But I have to admit, this is the first time I think I've ever done this in a, in a film. But I started looking at the plot on Google. Really? Because I, was, I was just like, I, I I don't, I have no idea what's happening. I was thinking that it you was feel like to-
1: you're admitting defeat don't you you're like this is so annoying totally
0: yeah. and I felt like such a fraud as well I was sitting there and I was just like <laughs> wow I someone I'm literally doing a podcast where I talk about films and I haven't got a clue what is happening and then once I started seeing people leaving I felt really vindicated because I was like well at least people are just kind of like bun this you know I did sort of yeah I, I, I get it like it's, it was but it's really upsetting. Again, I know we've spoken a bit about this before on the pod, but I have a real issue with the idea of if a film is three hours, it's it's got to be worth three hours. It has mm. to be. And I'm, I've am i seen a few people say that they absolutely adored this film and they laughed all the way through. It's just not for me. It was the, the polar opposite. And I know that I think – so Simon Mayer really didn't enjoy it. I know that Mark Commode had sort of said – if you liked the comedy, you could happily chuckle your way through three hours. If you didn't, then you will hate this. But that to me doesn't feel like there's enough of an upside. You know? It's like yeah. if you don't like this, you'll hate it. If you do like it, it's okay. You know, that's that's like... just a bit of a cop-out, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't re- and I actually felt like, listen, I'm I will I love komodo mayo i love it i it's it's just i've listened to it for years and years and years but the one thing that i would say is that i feel like sometimes you, you, with any film critic anywhere ever if you like a director and you feel an affinity with the work they've done it's a whole lot harder to say listen that was quite shy you, you have to admit
1: it to yourself aren't you
0: yeah, because you have to you have to confront it, and it just it didn't. So, like all in all, I thought it was great. Five stars. No, all in all, <laughs> it's just absolutely toilet, and I really struggled wow. with it a lot. But but the thing was, I would love to hear from someone who enjoyed it because I do want to know what I'm missing, and I I feel like there is a, I feel like there's something there that I would like to confront in terms of seeing. Okay, what did I miss? How didn't I get it? And there's a load of theories out there online, but, I mean, none of them are kind of any more close to being confirmed than the other, so it could be absolutely anything. And I almost want you to watch it so that I can be like, tell me I'm not crazy, tell me that I'm not the problem. What? But um, it's I mean, three hours,
1: so... Our our, our ever-faithful sponsors, Odeon, are not going to be happy with me saying this, but I am joking, we're not actually just listening to the other episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> But is it one you could kind of not see in the cinema and just watch on oh, your totally. phone or on the TV? Yep. Listen,
0: there is there is some good filmmaking in there. That's the thing. There was some strong filmmaking and some really interesting sort of genre bending stuff in there that I think looks good on the big screen. But because it doesn't actually do anything, the film doesn't go anywhere. So it's, it's not just like a
1: whole load of shite.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it, like I I always take I think a really good example of this is is Dunkirk, right? Yeah, if you watch yeah. the film Dunkirk, and you, uh, it's cheating because it's an amazing film. But there is three timelines that are reaching a crescendo at the same point. And you're being manipulated so much. But by the end, m- my God, I saw it three times in the cinema. Every single time I came away thinking, I'm so glad that I'm watching this in cinema you know yeah. the experience of it the noise the sound there's so IMAX. The, the imax yeah because it's su- such a big frame every frame is just packed with so much information so you start watching it and seeing different things i just didn't feel that with this so yeah 10 minute rant later it it just did not do enough for me and if people do feel different i'd love to hear from you and, and like please please do get in touch we had a few great comments this week did you see the lovely DM that we had in? Did you see this? Oh, I have so, okay. now. It's do you want to read it? Oh, this is so lovely. It was just really uh, this is very, very heartwarming. Um
1: hi guys, as an avid listener of Rule the Roost, good man. I heard the shameless blatant pug for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. I'll hold my hands up to that. I need to rub it in, mate. We've all been right.
0: rumbled. Oh,
1: come on. <laughs> you know. We're we'll trying our best out here. Um Wow, so glad I'm listening. Oh, that's nice. Um, I have only heard Pulp Fiction and Casino Royale thus far, but I have to say it was just like re-watching those classics. The point made about Goosebumps on hearing the Bond gun barrel music, I actually got Goosebumps. It's true, man. Like when you hear yeah. it right at the end. like it's, Burning.
0: It's so you know,
1: it's, oh, what a film, man. Like I'm still, I'm still actually buzzing from having seen that again. And, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, it's lovely, isn't it, so- when bits
0: pop up on your feed? Like, yeah. you just go, oh, I'll just treat myself.
1: Incisive, informative, and entertaining. Is he, are you, is he listening to us? Thanks, Dad. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> just an idea Minipod to describe the movie to be reviewed to give people who haven't seen the film a chance to watch it before the review. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Quite like that. Yep. Yeah. Also, why not post potential films for review here and prioritise on public opinion? Dog Soldiers, Life of Brian, Brazil. Oh, I'm assuming this is... Uh, these would, might be some that you would like us to watch. Dog Soldiers, love it. Life of Brian. Yes, big fan of the old Monty Python stuff. Haven't watched it in a long time, though, actually.
0: Yeah, me neither. Been ages. And I ha- I've never seen Brazil either, so...
1: Oh, Brazil's great, mate. There's a. Do you know what? I've, I've, there, there there's one funny little bit that I've always wondered, right, if there's some cheeky kind of... Uh, production company this is this is a bit of a tangent right but remember when lockdown got lifted and tfl they did their london is open again advert and it yes. was like a big yeah. montage of offices shops theaters yeah. and the music it was playing in the background was that <Dowding> well that is from the soundtrack of brazil right and right. It, it this it has that kind of um that juxtaposing kind of feel to it because brazil is a it's basically a dystopian story right of people who are just kind of fooled into living this life of like bureaucracy or sat in these offices doing these mundane typing jobs but they've all got a smile on their face because everyone's happy kind of thing it's that it's that type of thing and I just wondered if, like, using the music from Brazil, which is about this kind of, like, brainwashed <laughs> false utopia, <laughs> for an advert that's all like, come back to the office! <laughs> come back into London! Start commuting again! There was just a little knowing nod there. I've, oh, I've genuinely always wondered that. It's it's always been very interesting to me. But
0: I'd love Bra- to find that out.
1: Yeah, because uh, to me, it's so, like, it's so cheap because it's just the sort of thing that I think... The kind of people who sign off a TFL advert probably wouldn't think about, you know, and
0: well, do you think, yeah, like it's it's a it's a they might have just missed it, but someone somewhere has gone, I know, and you don't. It's it's quite
1: niche, really. And the tune is like jumpy and a bouncy and fun, so it it it, it makes sense, but it, like just seeing that, I've always I've just always had that in the back of my mind, like. This feels cheeky. This feels a bit naughty, but Brazil is, um, it's very, it's very weird. It's, it's Terry Gilliam, right? So, uh, uh you know, alongside the Monty Python stuff there, um, it's one of his films, it's, I, th- it's one of his earlier films, it's eighties movie, um, a bit kind of, it's, it's imagine like Monty Python does 1984.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, it okay. It's that
1: kind of thing. It's kind of bizarre. Um, so yeah. Cheers. Would you but recommend nice then?
0: Is <laughs> it one to go on my list? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so. It's, it's. It's. I like. I'm a big fan. I mean, the thing is, mate. It's. It won't be for everyone so that's right, why okay. I, I I would recommend because I enjoyed it but I don't know if everybody would and I'm not saying that in a way of like oh because I'm just so edgy and I get it I right, just okay. <laughs> I really quite like Terry Gilliam I like a lot of his style I mean like you know I was doing all those Tetrunk animations for years based off of the back of a lot of like Terry Gilliam stuff so it's me. kind of he's a bit of a, a personal muse or inspiration I just I can't say his muse that's kind of demoting him isn't it he's an inspiration <laughs> to me I look up at him um, wow. Way up, um, but who who was that? Who was that from? By the way, mate There's no that uh...
0: was from. Bear with me for one second. Um, that was a uh, John Carpenter. So thank you so much, John. Cheers, That's John. Incredibly kind of you, and I. Please, please do keep your your comments coming in, everyone. And do make suggestions because we we absolutely love getting the suggestions in. Um, got another one, really quick one from Jamie Weir, friend of the pod, friend of of um, rule the roost as well Um, I assume I mean I can't just say who your friends are but I'd assume Jamie we would be considered a friend we've got a you know i know i know jamie an understanding yeah an understanding of the pod um uh, an he uneasy, said, an uneasy <laughs> alliance <laughs> no, I'm jamie, you, one of the best lad. one of the best harry Redknapp impressions i've ever heard um unbelievable so so good he said on your advice watched beef finished it last night amazing such a beautiful poignant final episode still not fully over and i can't give away the spoiler no, but th- yeah. but the end um which was absolutely amazing um, yeah, it, it, it's so so good. If you haven't seen Beef, do do give it a watch because that's. I still think that's up there with your best recommend uh, recommendations so far.
1: I think it's just one of the best things ever. Right? It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's just well, brilliant
0: across any medium,
1: across any across any yeah, across any vertical. It's up there with crisps. You know. Yeah, that like. is
0: such a good call because crisps yeah. are the best
1: oh my crisps are unreal
0: like yeah
1: however i still do you know what again this is weird i don't like crisps in the cinema i love crisps mate but no 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 no, i don't like a bag of crisps in the cinema i totally
0: agree because i'm actually disgusting with the way that i eat crisps and i (laughs) stuffling i (laughs) want to be i want to be able to get in there do you know what i mean i don't want to be trying to like scan around the bag and try and find my mush with a with a sort of like, you know, when it gets to the bottom and it's your bottom of your baggers. I'm,
1: I'm just... having flashbacks to post 12 hour shoots with you, mate. <laughs> um, of days of us not eating, getting back into your car and just.
0: Yeah, yeah. man. God, those are the days. Right, one yeah. last comment. <laughs> Who have we got? Uh,
1: we've got one from James Baker here at JEBaker83. But was it really Paul Allen? The whole thing through the whole thing through the movie is that everyone looks and dresses almost identically. So when the lawyer at the end says he saw Paul Allen, Paul Allen he could be easily mistaken. I feel like we called that out in the pod. Yeah, yeah, true. So yeah. referencing a bit uh, of American Psycho
0: here. Um, yeah, but that and that we had quite a few people get in touch on American Psycho. So thanks so much for your um, for your comments on that as well. So American Psycho has been one of my favourites that we've done so far because. Yeah. It was it just it was one of those that, like I said before, it's a bit of a treat to to put back on because you know how good it is, and you are sort of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm one way or another, I'm going to absolutely love this. Um, as do you know what? This week was a bit of a treat as well with the film that you selected. Do you want to tell us what it was?
1: I went for the story of B Rabbit, um, Eight Mile. Um, it was it was so. I've been like I say, I've, I've been pested by my good friend Jonathan. Since, I'm I'm pestering, that sounds, (laughs) I don't mean it that way, Jonathan. In a nice way. Jonathan has very kindly suggested, insistently, that uh, I do 8 Mile. And I haven't ever been against the idea of doing 8 Mile. Just, you know, there's something, it just comes a time when it feels right to do it. Um, Because this was a massive film for me growing up as well. I absolutely loved this film. It was one I bought on DVD the second it came out and watched time and time and time again. I loved it. I loved Eminem back in the day Um, and so yeah it musters a lot of like you know good old memories of again another one of those movies that was on in the cinema when I worked in the cinema would sneak in and watch bits of it in between my shifts and stuff like that so yeah loved it and I, I haven't watched it now for a good few years so I was interested to revisit it after seeing a particularly nasty discussion around Eminem on Twitter with a load of young whippersnapping Gen Zs talking about what a collapsed oh, yeah. old man he was and how just will ne- if lame he is.
0: I think trying to look now, maybe he's one of those that in 20 years' time, let's say, that people will talk about in a way that is, is, is a way more reflective of how we talk about the Beatles, for example. You know that the mm. we talk about people who defined eras and people who, because that this film kind of, was this what was this two thousand and two, um, in two thousand and two this this defined the culture. You know this yeah. was Eminem was everywhere. He was, like I think you said it last week on the pod. He probably was of the day. He, the most famous man on the planet. Would that be fair? Yeah, yeah, I think up so. up there at least but certainly in that kind of certainly with that kind of. That kind of part when of you're rattling our... like
1: the US president and stuff like that, you know, you're kind of, uh, yeah, you're a big deal, you know? yeah,
0: big time, absolutely.
1: So, with that in mind, Ben, like, because we will get into the film in, in more detail in a minute, obviously, we wouldn't have much of a podcast if we weren't going to do that, but as you know. It's your turn to... I mean, and it's not going to be hard for you to improve on my effort for Meet the Parents because oh, listening back to that, mate, it, appalling.
0: I just really off. enjoyed I, that I pod, was like though. rabbit in
1: headlights, rabbit in headlights. Like. I
0: laughed a lot listening back to that pod. It was it was nice, that. Yeah. Great opportunity good. for you and I to just do impressions as well.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so, fair. right.
1: We're going to give you 60 Hint seconds, up. mate, to see how much of 8 Mile you can spoil... Purdy's going to drop in the dramatic, scary music, which we don't get to hear now, but still. It's 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 nerve-wracking enough, I can tell you folks back home. Um, so, Ben, you ready? I am ready. Okay, so I'm going to give you a three, and then I'm going to give you a two. And a one, go.
0: Okay, so... Eminem's B Rabbit or Jimmy is a young up and coming rapper who wants to try and make his way in the game, but he lives in an incredibly depraved part of uh, Detroit. He's got a group of friends who are unbelievably supportive. It's one of the things that stood out to me in this film. Like, his friends just seem to want the best for him and they, they are supporting him all of the time and trying to get him to get involved in these rap battles, kind of underground, very kind of intense rap That's battles oh my god where he can prove himself Um, at the same time he's struggling at home he's got a really fractured home life with his mum who's doinking some guy who's like his age which is properly bizarre Um, he (laughs) keeps on freezing up at really important moments when he's supposed to be uh, rapping and battling against his uh, rival sort of like group and eventually we see despite the fact that he's having to spend all of his time working just to grind to get an opportunity to maybe get some time at a recording studio (coughs) finally Get, oh, it, that was just crap i'm sorry i'm sorry that was really really poor uh, look i'm not i'm not going to pull any punches now mate. we've been
1: doing this long enough it's not one of your best efforts that was though. stink that, that, that wasn't meet the parents bad but
0: you know it was bad it was rubbish but it like do you know what i actually feel like i, I if i'm gonna give myself any kind of leeway here at all i do feel like there's a lot going on in this film
1: yeah, there is a lot going on, but you still are. You know, you're, you're making an excuse. Look, mate, if I, <laughs> you still share.
0: if 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 still meet the
1: parents you. was relegation, to, to use a football metaphor, right? If meet the parents was relegation, you were survival on the last
0: day of I'm the season. I'm Nottingham Forest, right? aren't I? Yeah, just yeah. about like we're yeah. we're out celebrating with the fans just to have got 16. Um yeah. yeah, but there is. I mean, look, there's a fair old the fair old amount going into this um where do you want to begin mate i mean there's there's some really i I, when i was writing the 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 notes for this i was thinking there's a lot there's Mm. a lot here at play just even around the cultural stuff i mean one of the first things that you said was about the fact that it was one of the first times you'd watched a film where it showed where hollywood was prepared to reflect on the kind of underbelly almost of america
1: I think, I think this is, yeah, I think that's probably quite a, a good place to start, really, because if you imagine, like, do you remember, right, growing up, whenever you'd watch any, basically any Hollywood movie, right, whether it was, you know, Home Alone, or Big, or whatever, everybody would live in this leafy neighbourhood, yeah, they yeah, would have yeah. a massive house, their parents would do some like indeterminate job. They would always have a massive car. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it felt like Hollywood for a, for a long time was a pure, and it. I mean, it still is really, but it was a it was a huge propaganda vessel. Um, yeah, to the say, American dream. Yeah, look how awesome it is living here. We've all got massive fucking houses, and we're all rolling in it. And we all do these kind of jobs that don't seem too hard because dad's home at five o'clock and we're all having dinner together and it's great, you know? Um, So I I found it kind of weird that like, this was a movie that was, it was based in 1995, set in 1995, pre-millennium, that wasn't a fantasy tale, if you like. It was still supposed to be showing a, a slice of life, but it felt dystopian it felt like there was finally a massive Hollywood movie that has, like we were saying, the most famous man in the planet starring in it that is going to show a side to America that isn't all American dream, that isn't all kind of, look, if you just work hard enough, you can achieve anything, and you go back to your nice house, whatever whatever the case. It was showing you, like, you know, America this amazing brilliant country that we've seen so much of in so many different ways has real poverty there. And there really are people struggling there just like anywhere else in the world. And it felt like something that was at least in mainstream cinema kept hidden from everybody for so long. Right. And I, I I just, I think even when I was like younger, I was suddenly like, wow, this is, this is kind of different, right? This feels very different. And I remember like really feeling when I was watching this, like the stakes aren't like, you know, so much of the narrative is, is before in these type of films. Like we spoke, let me do, give you an example right off the top of my head. So these underdog stories are, you know, it's Rocky or it's mighty ducks and the stakes are firmly rooted in the competition, right? The stakes are, are they want to win this because it's their dream to achieve that thing. And, yeah, there is that's a significant portion of eight mile. He wants to have his Rocky Balboa moment of winning the rap battles and everything, but I feel like unlike really anything else I'd seen before this was his as as the song famously says that spawned from the movie, it was his one shot, his one opportunity, you know, to to get out of there. And when you see everyone else around him Just desperately trying, just climbing all over one another to try and get out of where it is that they are. And even as a viewer, you suddenly feel so trapped and you feel so invested in him trying to make it, you know?
0: Yeah, but now this this is really interesting to me. So I wondered, I definitely felt like from the shooting style, everything, even the idea of where the rap battles take place, everyone's packed in. You know, it's yeah. claustrophobic. You, and yeah. it, uh, there's that, I think we spoke about it in, in another pod. I can't remember what it was, but there's that idea of crab theory, right? Is that if crabs trying to escape the bucket, other crabs will pull them back down again. they be like, don't you get out of here. You know, you need to stay down here with us. Like don't you get any ideas by the station of climbing out to, to escape um, And there is this real claustrophobia throughout the film, right and that that mm. everyone needs to escape. And I don't want to I, I think you might have made this 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 point on you in your note so I don't want to steal it but it it definitely steal away, man. Just well, it, it, it definitely feels like you, for the it's an underdog story only there's not a goodie and a baddie. You know, in Rocky, you want Rocky to win because Apollo Creed is this arrogant champion and Rocky's like a million to one shot. Everyone is a million to one shot in this film. Like everyone is so, like they're downtrodden by the society within which they exist that it's not, getting that kind of feeling of acceptance and the crowd roaring you on, that's not the win. You know, that's not going to be the thing that is the difference between you being able to put food on the table. But that is the currency of that space, if that makes sense. It's the currency yeah. of that group is that the adoration of that crowd in front of you for that time is about the nearest thing that you can get to satisfaction in a place where you're living in a trailer. Um, and And it was it was interesting that it was an underdog story where. The underdog could be literally anyone in the film. And so whilst you're rooting for like for Eminem's character, you you also you, you're not rooting for him to win at the expense of anyone else?
1: What what I really loved um what the filmmakers have done and the scriptwriters have done so well in this film is that you feel like The mundanity, is that word? Yeah. Let's just say it. The mundanity of his existence, the job. Up, down. Yeah. yeah. Up, down, you know. Can I get some extra shifts, please? And just like you say, the way it's shot, the kind of the, the grainy type effect over everything, how just like ashy and smoky it all feels. But then you suddenly get these pockets where he meets up with his mates and they're having a laugh and they've got, you know, they've gotten enough sort of money together to get a few beers or whatever, or smoke a bit of weed and sit together and just have a laugh about stuff, whether that's questionably shooting paintballs at people outside of a car, car, or burning down a a house, you know, but still,
0: you know, the paintball thing, didn't that make you like, I guess this is 20 years after the film is made, but, to me, the idea of pointing a paint gun out of the window, like yeah. the first thing that comes to my mind was like, oh my God, in modern day, that people wouldn't know that it was a paintball gun, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I don't know. I'm sure they wouldn't have done then as well. But it, 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 I, it, I just, I found that like what they really captured is that like the joy that they can have. Like you were saying, you know, there's this kind of crab theory going on, but equally... He has these people around him that lift him up. You could see that they all lifted one another up as well. And I think that kind of like the 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 tenderness of their friendship. I think we will talk about this later on more, but it it really did help alleviate that gloom. And I think you really feel that with, with the characters. That's one thing I re- I just thought was really well positioned within the film. Um I, I was interested to know from you actually, mate. Because I didn't really think about it at the time. And this is only something I'm thinking about upon on reflection. Eminem playing the the main role of Jimmy in what is a largely autobiographical tale. It's not. And I think I remember at the time, him always being very quick to say, this isn't about me. Yeah, sure, there might be some parallels. But there's parallels with lots of guys who grew up in my situation. But did you... Did that pull you out of it at all did you just think i'm basically watching a film about eminem or did you believe him as an actor as b rabbit if you know what i mean
0: i watched him as eminem if i'm completely honest watching it back this time i didn't so it's probably different actually watching it back this time i watched him as eminem because we have another 20 years of kind of yeah his music and my nostalgia for what he represents from that time. Um, I don't know if I felt that at the time. I can't remember in 2002 when I would have watched this sort of on, like you said, on DVD. I imagine I would have been so swept up in it that I would have been like, this is just the coolest thing. Um, Like everyone, I remember everyone doing rap battles in the playground. You know, that everyone started yeah. to that, try and do rap battles and, and people would be trying to freestyle and stuff in the in the playground. Which were yeah.
1: most likely appalling, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely <laughs> yeah. dreadful, like awful. Yeah. I would love, you know, a uh, major, major kind of a major sort of like, oh no, it's not Burners Watch. There was another time travelling programme when we were a kid where you could just hop back in time. I, If I could just kind of go back, there'd be one of those things I'd love to just see That again, I bet it was cringe as anything watching a bunch of like 14 year old kids just battling each other in the program. Some of the worst rhymes you've ever heard. But I think when I watched it back this time around, I definitely saw it as an autobiographical piece, essentially with Eminem playing himself. But that didn't pull me out of it. If that sort of carries through, it didn't make me think, oh, well, I can't, I can't follow this. I think it does, it does work. It does kind of in, in this sense that you're following his story and you're following that, that pathway that you've seen. Did you watch the Kanye West documentary? No, no. That, I mean, it, that is really, really good. That's really fascinating. Um, and the reason why it's so good is because it's made by his friend who just was following him with a camera and really just caught everything which is like mate do you mind if i film and he's like yeah why not he didn't ever commission a documentary this guy was just filming him from the outset so from when he did first did through the wire and and the college dropout album right at the very beginning and when he was That's trying cool. to get a meeting with with jay-z and trying to get a meeting with anyone that might come in and tell him that he's he was he was worthwhile and he was sort of telling everyone people had him down as a as a as a producer i think they were sort of saying oh yeah you write right yeah. and you produce you're really great at that like write write something for me produce something for me and he'd be like no i'm a rapper and the, so when you sort of when i thought about that i was like no, there is there are massive parallels here, and I think it's similar to what you said, right? And that this could be the story for a number of people trying to uh, escape from, the, well, not escape, but they're trying to kind of climb, right? They're trying to get out mm. of this existence that they're in, and they might have a million to one shot, and they've got to hope that they just take their opportunity when it comes. Um, but I, it kind of did work for me, and I, and I, I sort of I think of Eight Mile. N- In a very specific way, I think about it as, oh, Eminem's Eight Mile. You know, I I don't look back and think, oh, what a classic rap film of the genre, even though it is a classic rap film of the genre. The first thing you think about of Eight Mile is Eminem. Well, because correct me if I'm wrong, he's not acted in anything else since. So a couple of cameos in small things, and 50 Cent has actually spoken about this and said that people would come to him. With opportunities for Eminem and say, like, look, would you pass this on to him? Because we think you'd be so good. And they talk about the money and, and that they would pay him. And he'd just be like, nah, not for me, thanks. And I watched a couple of things where he just sort of said, I, I didn't realize how intense it is to be in every single scene of the film. Yeah. So he, and I don't think he is ever really off camera, is he? I don't think we see anyone else. I don't think we see any. Mm, that's any an interesting things. point. Yeah where it kind of cuts away to an alternative sort of story. It's just him. And he just said it was too intense, I think, that he enjoyed it, but it was just very, very intense. So that's a very, very long-winded answer, but a long-winded way of saying I really enjoyed Eminem. I felt it was autobiographical, but it didn't drag me out. What about you, mate?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, mate. I'm entirely with you. I saw it as Eminem and it, it didn't bother me in the slightest, but...
0: Have other yeah. people said that it, that it doesn't work?
1: I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'd sure. I'd be interested um, to see
0: if people sort of... Now, people don't feel that it does hold up.
1: I just remember at the time that him almost being a bit prickly um, about it being about him, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like to... Just for a bit of light relief on that one, mate, would you be interested here as some of the other people who were allegedly... Approach to to no fill the role way. Of There Bee were Rabbit. other
0: people that were approached.
1: Other people considered, yeah.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So,
1: apparently, P. Diddy was approached. Right. Okay. Most deaf, which I think would have been very good. Uh, he's an actor as well, so you know. And Marky Mark Wahlberg as well
0: Wahlberg. was
1: was also approached. Yeah.
0: God, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Well, he the- was
1: a rapper as well, wasn't he? Like yeah, back in of the course. day that yeah, is really
0: so. cuz i just i just assumed that this was i mean and that shows that that's my ignorance really i kind of saw this as something that it, it was only ever going to be Eminem. you
1: kind of feel like it was though right you, you cuz look we've seen like with the american psycho pod The director and the writer, they know who they want, right? Yeah,
0: they're very strong. She wanted Christian Bale.
1: She had an idea of who it was, but still studios are like, well, maybe go with this person or speak to this person or have a fallback option, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So I I would imagine it's probably due diligence, but it does feel like it was a story written for and about Eminem. Um, One thing I did want to just ask you very quickly, mate. Um, Have you ever read this is just really sort of a side note on everything we're talking about, but have you ever read The Grapes of Wrath?
0: No. John Steinbeck's
1: The Grapes of Wrath? Because... you
0: said about this before. God, I need to to give this a look. It, like, it...
1: It's just, that's something that really struck me about in Eight Mile. It's obviously, it's a completely different narrative. Grapes of Wrath is set in 1920s, 1930s, Dust Bowl America, like a small... The Jode family, um, who... Their farm is all dried up. The various different issues, people buying up land, the rental of their harvester, the this, the that. These things conspire against them. And a lot of farmers in their community, um, I can't remember exactly where they're set. I think they're set. It's Oklahoma. I think it's Oklahoma that it's set in. And they are told by word of mouth, a lot of these kind of these dust bowl farmers are told head to California it's kind of you know the land of milk and honey kind of thing so you follow this family the Jodes who much like you have with B-Rabbit they kind of they have nothing but they just have hope they have hope and they're hanging on to a kind of onto a dream right of California of something other than this something other than this life and you know, spoiler alert! <laughs> spoiler alert for a, for a classic <laughs> novel. But it's uh, they. <laughs> uh, how fucked is our culture, man? Seriously, but like um, they <laughs> <laughs> they they travel to they travel to California. But yeah. as they're getting as they're heading towards California, they're passing all these other people who are like. We're heading to Oklahoma because we hear there's great farming out there. There's loads of people selling land in Oklahoma to farm on, and they're like, "Well, we've just come from there, probably don't go there." We're going to California, and the people from California are like, "Mm, "Are you sure you want to do that?" And it just—it's just the whole story is about them fighting through their adversity and fighting through the. I mean, John Steinberg really captures the like misery of existence at the bottom. Doesn't he just? Doesn't yeah just honest. in a way that is so almost beautiful like and i would the thing i would say is like the grapes of wrath like to be i read this like in my early 20s and i honestly i think it is one of the books or pieces of art or whatever i would say that has uh, profoundly changed my way of looking at the world it really did and right, okay because basically they get they end up getting from Oklahoma to California to find out it's all just as fucked and that's that and they've the whole journey has been them building to this kind of they've still got the hope of of a better day around the corner but then when you don't have hope you have nothing you yeah. then you truly have nothing and it's it's so like affecting and I I really found that Eight Mile managed to capture a lot of that in there because it felt for me that like, I don't I don't feel like I'm jumping ahead here when I say no, this. No, 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 do, do it, do it, do it, do it. Because the whole movie is built towards I'm going to do my rap battle, I'm going to become somebody, I'm going to get my demo recorded. You know, you'll be Rabbit, you're kind of, you're one of the kind of greatest battle rappers. Just wait till people hear your name and all this type of thing. But he wins the battle. It's intense, it's amazing. But then... Right at the end, right, got to go back to work, you know? And you just see, and his mates are all like, you don't have to go to work, come on. We talk yeah. about, you don't have to work, you'll be rabbit now. And he's just, he has in himself this knowledge that it's like, but this is the real world, man. Like, I'm not guaranteed to make it as a rapper or something. I can't lose that job. I'm living in a trailer with my mum, great. I, I won at a rap battle and that's great. And that's one of those pockets of joy that we're talking about. But ultimately, I'm still here and I still need to exist. And it's suddenly like, it's sent that kind of like, this time I think more than watching it as a kid because I think it was kind of lost on me. You know, I guess life, the the circumstances that people are born into and are trying to escape from and because I think it all goes over your head a bit as a kid um mm. and I think just that that last moment when you see him like walking down the alleyway and you've got kind of Mackay Pfeiffer who him and Mackay Pfeiffer they've always they've got future you know they've always had that kind of almost like telepathic bond as mates where he suddenly gets it as well he knows it because he's the only one saying to be Rabbit, not like, oh, you've made it, you're this, you're that. He's like, come on, just host the battles with me or something. you know. He knows that there's no clear path out of there for those for those guys. And I, like I say, I just think it kind of, it's like he got to the very top and he's still in the bottom, you know? And it's, yeah. it, it really got me this time, I think, watching it.
0: I found myself thinking that halfway through though, mate. I found myself thinking that when... They were kind of hyping up. They're like, "Are you going to do it on Friday? Are you going to do it on Friday?" And then, it, it, then it, 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 I don't know why, but for some reason, that then the idea, "Oh, are you going to be there on Friday?" I was like, "Oh, it's just a Friday night. You yeah. know, it's just it's just Friday night. It's just a like a, a, a like a an exciting end to the week, and then yeah. he's back to it. And he still needs to pick up extra shifts. And, oh, and yeah, they keep they keep with this." they keep pushing with this idea that he's, I mean, his, his boss seems very stern, but they keep pushing this idea that all he's really ever going to get out of this film. Like we're going to see his sort of glorious ending is that he might be able to get a bit of studio time. Yeah. He might be able to that. Like he's chasing various avenues to try and get the studio time financially through his friend, through the the kind of rap battles thing but. The battle's not going to bring him anything other than a bit of reputation.
1: And I think that's the one time, actually, when I actually think about it, where I didn't see him as Eminem. Because I think I probably viewed this... I've always viewed this as, like, this is Eminem's story. So we know B-Rabbit's future as he goes on to be, like, this massively successful rapper. But I almost feel that, like, it's quite interesting to use somebody like Eminem in this type of role because I'm sure... I'm certain of the fact that there's probably thousands of other people who could have been eminem that just didn't get the breaks at the right time and things just didn't go that way it's not to say that eminem didn't work for what he's achieved i'm i'm not suggesting that for a second but you know i feel that like in many positions in life right there's many different people that can fill the role and timing is timing and luck are probably just as important as endeavor and skill I guess you probably just have more chances to be lucky, if you like, if you work harder at it. So Yeah, yeah, you sort
0: of never up, never in. But at the same time, the thing that I would just add to that is like you said at the beginning, I feel like it was specific, the time frame in which this was set. You know, so this was set in, did you say 1996?
1: 95.
0: 95. So Eminem, I think... I th- I guess it would would it be the Eminem show Marshall Mathers MP was his first was his first album so it was he, he had an album before that right the but the C- m M&M m show yeah Marshall Mathers LP in 2000 the oh the Slim Shady LP in 1999 so this is very specific about when it's set you know yeah. I think Infinite so Infinite was his first album right Debbie studio album by Eminem. Is that with like
1: scary movies and stuff like that on
0: it? And And that has got not a single song. Yeah, it's not got a single song that you would kind of go, oh my God, that's, of course, that's that one that made him who he is because then Marshall Mathers LP was Kim, Stan, The Way I Am, all these these songs that will just, as soon as you sort of say them out loud... People from our real Slim Shady, from our from our generation, will be like, "Oh my god, of course they're enormous." Yeah. And I get, and I guess equally, the people that are, that you were talking about that are tweeting now, being like, "Who's this washed up guy?" will never know of the cultural impact that those though that album had. I remember listening to that on a on a Sony discman, yeah, like yeah literally yeah. listening to it over and over and over, and being on a school trip, and um. Like sharing a headphone with a mate, like and both of us listening to it and knowing all the words and stuff being hopelessly uncalled, but equally just loving it.
1: The, well, Slim Shady, Marshall Mathers, an m&m show just listened to religiously. Like religiously as a kid. Why do you, know do you I mean? think
0: why do you think it caught on so much for our era?
1: Cause he was funny. Do you think that's really
0: Because I do remember there was that one where he kind of like had, he's doing an impression of like South Park characters and stuff as well, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: I think he was largely funny. Um The videos think, were good, weren't they? Yeah. I don't think, I mean, he's very, he references this himself and this is a big conversation we'll be having on this pod later on, but you probably can't escape the fact that, you know, he was given greater exposure because he was white as well, mm. you know? Mm. Um, And yeah, he openly raps about that and sort of jokes about his own, (laughs) his own privilege he gets afforded over many of his contemporaries because he's white and he's still, you know, he's corrupting all the kids still though, you know, he's like, it's just, it's funny that, you know, his whole thing was right. It's funny that I'm the one that's being platformed because I'm the one that's corrupting all the kids as well. So whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw him in uh, Milton Keynes, you know, no around way. the time of the M&M show. Yeah, Wait, it was would, that, would he... that
0: have been Milton Keynes' bowl or something like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, He was cool. su- supported by a then, like, minuscule, like, barely even famous 50 Cent. yeah because
0: 57 sort of in sort of walked basically followed his footsteps didn't he
1: yeah and and cypress hill who i was i loved cypress hill as well but their sound kept cutting out so they sort of cut their set short which was annoying but
0: ah see if of that time that time it was like it was just it was so i can't get across how era defining and culture defining and it just was unavoidable. I think that's the best word for it. Is that you could not avoid Eminem. You know the white T-shirt, the kind of like stone jeans, and the blonde hair. Yellow hair. Yeah. yeah. You just couldn't. It was. It was a look. It was such an iconic thing, and so many people in my school dyed their hair. Like that <laughs> bright yellow, it was yeah. really, really bizarre. Um, w- mate, one thing that we kind of touched on a little bit that I did just want to kind of go back over again just the, the because we were talking about the, the time at which it's filmed, there is such an aesthetic to this, isn't there? There's such oh, a yeah. look, and I, I think you sort of mentioned it earlier on, but it's that steady cam thing that everything feels like it. it's literally like someone is shooting this off, off their shoulder.
1: Yeah, yeah, big time. It, 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 it I, th- I thought it sort of just brought you in, like on the ground level with the characters, because it, it wasn't trying to be a, it wasn't trying to be like The Office or anything, you mm, know, a, a mm. mockumentary. Go and get the guitar, but um, <laughs> it was, it was very much kind of putting you there in the in the heart of the action. Like you'll see, that's a, kind of a technique often in, like, used in a war movie. Or something yeah. like that, when they're running alongside troops and there's bombs going off and the shrapnel flying towards the camera, and you feel in the heart of the action. But here, especially in those warehouse scenes and in the in the rap battle scenes, like you you touched on, you feel so claustrophobic in a lot of the rap battle scenes. Um, you you feel like how small the space is, but how many people are packed in there. Um,
0: it's all shot at shoulder think, height as well, isn't it? Everything is yeah. very kind of like the frame is condensed, you know. It's just heads, just a th- like a thousand heads just sort yeah. of packed in.
1: Yeah, it is brilliant. And I yeah, like you say, I, I do think they just, they captured it well. And it was it's funny, isn't it, to watch a movie now based around a load of like, because they were at the time young people, you know, driving around in their cars, having a laugh, and not everybody's on phones and stuff. And you kind of forget like... I'm sort of. I'm just, just old enough to remember like life without mobile phones. Just about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, same. Um, and so it is. It, it is funny. It, I did. I find. I just found the whole thing a bit of a, a time warp for me. You know, it reminded me not only of all the times I've watched it, the first few times I watched it, how I felt at the time remembering Eminem, but just the world itself that that they're in there where things felt a little bit more naive in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like somebody could just be like really good at music and then suddenly become famous off of the back of that as opposed to, I guess now, where you have actual like hit factories pumping out. And it's not to say there were never manufactured bands. You know, the Monkees are a famous example of a huge band from the 60s that were manufactured and everything. But still, I don't think it was as much a, a kind of an industrial complex as it is now, you know? Um, yeah. And you would
0: certainly wouldn't, you imagine now you, you have a big song and your hope is that it will trend on TikTok. Yeah. You know, whereas there is something, I think there's a, a rawness to the idea that you would need. One of the things that I always go back to is someone like, I mean, it's a totally different genre, but someone like Ben Howard, for example, who I think he was, I think he's from Cornwall, just got massive locally because people love listening to him locally. Really? And then someone just sort of heard it and heard his stuff and was like, oh, this is really great. As opposed to kind of, oh, I've got this song that's gone massive on TikTok and it's gone viral. So therefore people will try and cash cow me and get me to do another 10 songs, you know, or release an album straight away. There is, there's a, there's a, honouring the hard work i suppose this film shows yeah shows how difficult it was to actually get found
1: and also how it was a lot about still about network it's not to say that it isn't now but like you say you can just serve stuff to in theory millions of people right if you're doing something right on tiktok or whatever a lot of people will see your stuff whereas back then it was and, as you see in this film, he's like, "Oh right, there's gonna be this guy here who gave like Big O a record deal, and I know him, I've got a connection with him, and you know so it was all that kind of like right opportunity, right place, right time, make sure you're in a good place, make sure you've got your demo locked down. make sure you can build a name for yourself in the area by winning these rap battles and everything It's all it felt like much more of a kind of game back then, right, as opposed yeah. to now where it's yeah. kind of like." You're just serving content to people. Um, yeah, you have to level
0: you have to keep leveling up. You know, to sort of yeah. almost when you're talking about like, oh, this guy knows this guy, that's kind of like the boss of that level. You know, yeah. can you can you get in front of that person? And it might mean you can get in front of the, the next person as opposed to you can just and, skip and, to the other. don't line. get me wrong,
1: I think there's pros and cons to it. I think now, you know, it is great that more people get more opportunities. You have less chance for corruption, you have less chance for Things like Harvey Weinstein, you know, happening um, nowadays—you'd hope, anyway. Touch wood, but you know, I I think people who, those people who held a lot of power back then, were able to exploit that power massively. So, and it's not to say people still don't do that, but there is, there is maybe now a more sense of community supporting artists and people that they, they like things like Patreon things yeah. like monetizable content. So, you know, there's pros and cons to all of it, I think. Um but I did like I say I did quite just enjoy that escape back into that kind of 90s noughties way that things were and I guess that's probably part of getting older, isn't it? You kind of look for these little bubbles to to escape back into here and there intermittently.
0: Yeah, yeah and it, and this was this definitely I this definitely did uh, There was a lot of it that I kind of, there were a lot of elements that I'd sort of forgotten about. I was like, oh, I forgot that that happened with the film. But there was so much of it that instantly sort of transported me. Because I think, I think this film would have been when I was in year six at school. Yeah. Um. So instantly, the music and and the kind of just the look and the the feel of it instantly transported me back to that time, which was which is really fascinating. Um. Just on the on the rap battles, let's touch on that for a sec because I've got a bit of a I've got a bit of a take on this. Yeah. Go that on. I think that you will absolutely hate. Oh, <laughs> go on. Watching them back, I found some of them like unbelievably cheesy. And oh
1: yeah. yeah. It was
0: really weird because at the time I was like, "God, this is cutting edge, so sick." And now watching it back, I was a bit like, "Oh, it's a bit. (laughs) It's it's almost a bit embarrassing, you know." Like it was like any any in
1: particular that stood out for you.
0: I think it was the one where the guy forget his name, but he was wearing like a the sort of like the vest top. He yeah. was like, you look like you've had a boob job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: so, I, just I just, just quite like it for- when he does that. <clears throat> you know, when doing that, like m- mocking his voice.
0: Yeah. I, find that it, quite funny. I, I like, for some reason, I just found myself cringing a bit awkwardly. And I wasn't expecting because when I remember watching them and it was, it was literally like sparring with words, you know, yeah. sort of getting in each other's face and like the way it's shot is, is basically like the fight scenes in Rocky. You know, it's very over the shoulder and lots of people like, and there's so much, the audience is very packed in and around it as well. It feels very hostile, but yeah, it just didn't, it didn't do it so much for me this time around, but I know that wasn't the same for you. You quite enjoyed them, right? Well, I mean, mostly kind of,
1: but I I agree with you. They do feel kind of dated. Um, I think like part of it is, look, he's, he's, Eminem has said that like these are, well, they were, a very real reflection of how these kind of competitive rap battles often fed out and i don't know if you've ever like watched any of them like in the uk or anything like that you can watch a lot of these kind of rap battle things on uh on youtube and stuff and they are often like more on a kind of comedic level if you know what i mean right, like okay. so i can kind of see what he's saying but maybe it's more like because I, I, I don't think that what he was doing was not a true-to-life representation. I thought your hottest take was going to be, and it's one that I do kind of agree with, because I thought you were going to say that the last one, the final, like, drop mic kind of rap battle with Papa Doc, the one where he makes Papa Doc choke, feels out of place, because I feel that. I feel that, like, the other rap battles leading up to the finale are kind of raw, they feel a bit kind of like, like you say, a bit kind of cheesy, a bit kind of naff, but they feel like something that somebody would be conceivably making up on the spot.
0: Yeah. His yeah. final
1: fight with Papa Doc just feels like an actual song. Like everybody knows, yeah. most people know, the who grew up were like watching this know the lyrics to that song, you know? Yeah, Cause yeah. Because it's, it's just, I think most people probably knew the lyrics to that song before they even knew that the song was from a mob deep tune shook ones do you know what I mean like it's it's most people probably associate that beat and everything more with Eminem's bit in that film and that kind of I get it because it was like the like I say it was the drop mic finisher of the movie but yeah that to me it did feel kind of like too pre-written too pre-scripted versus the others which like you say they are kind of bumbling but it, it felt to me like Still, I t- I take his word for it, but was trying to capture the essence of like rap battles.
0: Yeah, but I did watch I i seen, but there's some like 1990s footage of him just in rap battles, which yeah. do seem. But uh, the the thing with them is they don't seem as dark. If that makes sense, they don't seem they look like they they're a lot lighter, like you said. But I guess that this is what the film the film is trying to kind of make it into a almost like a heavyweight clash you know sort of build up the idea of like going head to head in a in a final sort of showdown kind of thing which is what you kind of need for a film like this though right you you can't have you build the tension up and you build the tension up and you need the release at the end of it and i think where the film manages to keep hold of something special and different is where like you said where he's like right back to work you know it's yeah. just it's just this that was a mic drop that lasted 30 seconds and then he's he understands. He says, I, I think that there's a line, isn't there, where it's like, I've got to do something on my own. I've got to go and do this different thing f- just on my own. Um, when when his mate kind of says, listen, you can come and host with me, he's like, no, I've got, I've got to make my own sort of way with this, which is kind of nice because that that's not so cheesy, you know. That's no. quite real, which is, which is quite cool. Um,
1: there's some good footage from the 90s as well of Eminem and his best mate, Proof, who's also in the film, but has, you know, passed away, sadly. Um, Freestyling in a car before they're famous as well.
0: Oh, no way. Uh,
1: yeah, you can, you can watch that all over YouTube. I think it's from, like, 97 or something like that. Um, God, I'd
0: forgotten about the earring. I forgot <laughs> yeah. that that was a thing, wasn't it? People having earrings yeah. like that. Yeah. That was mad. God. So, yeah, that's
1: that's like a nice sort of, like interesting one to watch it's just kind of it just feels like raw sort of Eminem having fun when he was like young and trying to hopefully make it as a
0: rapper one day you know um can I go for a slight gear change here go cool. the stuff with his mum was really quite grim yeah <laughs> it's properly disgusting like but he sort of like, oh this the, the guy that she's sleeping with is the same age as him
1: yeah and he's was- such a Michael Shannon as well, you know, like an, yeah. a young Michael Shannon. Like
0: It was so horrible, like him getting home and, and then you, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> he just walks in on his mum and I'd assume yeah. that his sister's in the other room.
1: It's, well, yeah, and they're just perfectly capturing that kind of, just that, the depressing situation, like the the completely less than ideal situation that he's living in. <laughs> that right? is a
0: very good way of putting it. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it,
1: it. Oh, yeah. It's you know when she's asking him for like sex advice and stuff, like you know, oh, why won't yeah. he go down on me? You know, and you're like, oh, oh, it's
0: could you just not that is- it up. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah yeah it's perfectly natural there's that sort of conversation isn't it it's like no 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 I did think that was that was interesting though the stuff with his his sister I did think that was that was quite a quite an interesting because I think you said before you were like wonder you wondered why it was his sister and not his daughter yeah because I, I mean well, go on go on sorry
1: well I just I, I like when I reflect on this so because like I said that was like the the thought that was coming to my head as I was watching it, I was just sort of sending, you know, those notes, like things as they come to me. And the more I've sort of mulled over it, there's that part of me that's thought that it it must it must be a creative choice, right? Because Eminem and Haley, it was just so like a thing. He sung about yeah. her all the time. Yeah. It was such a ma it like it it dominated so much of like his life and as you know becoming a father often does and it feels like to me that like they wanted to tap into some of the dynamics of that right of him being an elder of caring for somebody of having somebody that's more important to him than anything else like the way he drops everything for lily all the time right Mm -hmm. um so they're kind of you're getting to see enough of eminem In those moments, especially when he sings that nice little like lullaby rap thing to her as well. I thought that was really nice.
0: That was really nice.
1: I always just remember that from the trailer, you know, that when I feel blue, don't know what to do. I just, yeah, that's that's always stuck with me. So I reckon that like really the story, they didn't want to take too much away from the fact that his life is already quite hard. He's trying to find a job. He's trying to find somewhere to live. He's trying to, well, keep his job and partake in his rap battles. And I think the kind of, the added element of being like a single father, having to provide for a kid and everything like that is... And I, I was thinking this because I think they already kind of crossed this off at the start when he's broken up with his girlfriend off screen, obviously, at the point at which she told him she was pregnant. She was lying, but still she told him she was pregnant. And it's suddenly like that suddenly caught up with him as in like that. I don't want that yet. I don't want my direction to be So yeah. It's almost like I think the filmmakers were being like, no, let's just not have that as another plate he has to spin, you know, because the story, even though there's a lot in there and there's a lot of themes in there, the narrative is unlike Bo is afraid is pretty, is pretty linear yeah. and it's pretty clear. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what makes her a very good, you know, viewing experience with this one, I find.
0: But can I ask you then, because this is one yeah. that I just, even when I watched it back, I just couldn't place it. Brittany Murphy's arc. What is, mm. what is her arc in this film? Like, I know that sounds like a really stupid question, but like, I, I'm still a bit torn on what she's, what she is in the film. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think partly she's adding
1: to the, you know the the overall theme that everybody is trying to escape from this place that you know you can have connections with people and I think she did feel genuine affection for for Jimmy for B-Rabbit but at the same time the opportunity presented itself you could you would imagine that his mate Wink isn't it I think his yeah. mate is Wink yeah. who has probably exploited her as in like look I'll help you get your modelling contract but what's in it for me yeah there you go that kind of thing. Um, so I felt that was the
0: implication, but is that where we're supposed to go as the audience? Are we supposed to think I, f- that- I feel that way. I feel, right. that I feel that her thing was
1: like, look, I'm going to do whatever I can within my power to get out of where I am. And, yep, yeah, I like this Jimmy guy, but at the same time, you know, I want to escape here more than I want to settle down and have a nice time with this aspiring, you know, battle rapper because that's just the reality of, you know... I guess the existence that they're trying to convey to people that there's no fairy tale ending here. And I read one thing that was saying that, like, you know, th- there was a criticism of the female characters within the movie that they were all just kind of like props for Jimmy's character, for Eminem's character. I don't entirely disagree with that, but I disagree with it that it's a uniquely kind of female thing. As you say, the whole film is built around him, around B-Rabbit. So I would say that every single character is serving him in a way, shape or form, right? And that's just yeah. kind of the nature of the story, the way it's been set up. But I didn't see it as her as some kind of weak, unempowered individual. Quite the opposite. No, no, Because too. she's the one that's doing what she needs to do to get out of there. And she gets out of there. She gets yeah. her modelling contract. She escapes and... Toward the end he reconciles that and I think he's begrudgingly happy for her. They have that fuck you moment, you know, when he gives her the middle finger and she gives it back to him. That kind of like, we shared a nice moment and good on you. You've gotten out of here. And you you took you did whatever it takes, and I'll do the same, maybe yeah. one day. Yeah, because
0: that it was just that scene that when when he sort of goes into the recording studio and she's there with his with his mate. And it was I don't know why I found it jarring Because I couldn't It's not like she, I then sort of was like Well she doesn't owe anything to him Like So That was That was perhaps just like A weird sort of Inbuilt natural reflex To To kind of Standard I guess a, a heterosexual interaction In a film Is it you, you you naturally think Films of that time It's like Oh well there's an unwritten Rule now That they're together You know But you never saw anything to say, literally as far as we were concerned as the audience, it was it was just like they've hooked up a couple of times, you know. She didn't owe him anything. And like you said, she was just in this place where she was going to get herself out of there one way or the other. She was going to just try and escape that kind of, that that world, which she does and you sort of see it at the end and it's kind of quite nicely handled, I guess, the way that it sort of shows her able to just sort of walk off into the distance and and that, that being the, the win, you know. She she's won in the film, and we're left not knowing whether he's going to win, like whether he's going to get out of there. You know, we, he he's kind of. But really, it's showing you that it is possible, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the, the and like you made the point earlier on that it the the pathway there is basically that you have to do the you have to do the dance, you have to play the game, you have to kind of find your way, and then once you're out, you're out. But you've just got to get out. You know, which is which is really mm. really interesting. Um, have we covered the kind of? The, I think one of the things that we perhaps just haven't quite gone into would be the idea of the fact that they're actually living in poverty, that they are yeah. literally living in poverty, and and. Cheddar the film, Bob's
1: house, you know, the moment when he goes in there, and you're like, wow.
0: Yeah, 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 and you sort of think this is not no. It, it, we've just arrived there, you know. There's been no kind of um there's been no sort of like no sort of cheesy slates at the beginning of the film to be like, just so you know, this is down on their luck group of people. It's just like, no, this is just where we are. This is just mm. this part of the world and everyone is everyone wants to get out, but no one no one needs to say that it's crap. It just is crap. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's kind of quite um people are sort of quite uh you just couldn't see from the way it's shot and the way that the world is built out that you're like, okay, this is just where we are. You know, it doesn't need to do too much more. You're kind of just aware that they're in this kind of horrible setup and that we're going to be taken on this journey, which is quite cool.
1: Did you, what did you think of that? Cause I, I've, I still, I'm trying to sort of work it out. You know, when he says to his mate in the car, when he's dropping him off and he says, do you ever wonder when you got to stop living up here and just start living down here? Is he saying, like, when are we just going to give up the dream? When are we just going to lower our expectations and realise this is where we are in life?
0: Yeah, well, I thought he was kind of saying, like, you get your head out of the clouds sort of yeah. thing. You need to get your head out of the clouds and actually just see what's in front of you at the time. But, and, and which actually makes the, next line, all the more, next line all the more profound because his mate says, mate, it's 730 <laughs> like th- there is nothing more kind of like head down in real life than it's 7.30 for God's sake. You know, what are mm, like, yeah. what are we doing? Like that is a, pre- and, and and his mate is already obviously not living up there. Like his mate has not got his head up thinking of these higher things. And that was actually something really interesting about their dynamic and their relationship. This is, this is really interesting that the, the vast, vast majority of the film is, is, male dominated and and i'm sure we could talk about that in in a bit just in terms of some of the problems of that but the vast majority of the film is 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 dominated by men i am amazed that a film at this time in this era and with this subject matter presented male friendships in the way that it did yeah it, it was so like affirming and positive yeah. and Upbeat and people rooting for each other, and even kind of strangely in the the interactions with the two sort of like rival groups that they were going to fight with each other. But it was all kind of weirdly presented in a spirit of competition. You know, it's kind of almost a like
1: schoolyard in a way, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was never presented as like these people genuinely hate each other, and they all all of his friends were desperate for him to not fail, which is like, yeah. like a really interesting presentation of friendship at at that time because I think a lot of a lot of the yeah, I think a lot of the representation of stuff like that. In when I think back to films of that era, you'd usually have the the kind of lead guy who's trying to go on this journey, but you'd usually have a mate who was like jealous of him or or always wanted him to fail secretly so that he could be the one that would get whatever it was at the end of it. Every single one of his friends seemed to seem to be rooting for him and they're actively prepared to apologize to each other as well. That was another thing that I was like, oh, there's like three or four scenes in the film where people say, Yeah, look, it's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> you never see that in films. That's such a yeah. interesting thing. I thought it was I actually really, really like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I really like that. It was quite, quite a, yeah, just thought that was quite a rare thing. Um, it does and we, stand out, doesn't it? Like you say. Yeah, you just, you didn't, like, you sort of seeing someone in that position where he completely chokes at the beginning, and all of his mates are like, "You're still the best." <laughs> you know, it's such a twenty twenty three. This attitude. is what I mean. Like this is
1: kind of what we're saying. Like, it, 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 I think they represented for one another their only joy in life. They had nothing, they had yeah. nothing at yeah. all, that other than true. their friendship and the bonds that they had. You know, it was.
0: You see yeah. that in a lot of sports films as well, don't you? You see, you yeah. do see that kind of attitude of. Like um, the guy misses the penalty or the guy misses the shot, but mm. everyone's still he's still the sort of local hero because he's the best of his town or the best of his area or, or whatever, which is quite a quite a cool thing. Um, mate, have I missed anything, or should we hit up the MVP combo? I
1: don't think so. Yeah, let's 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 go MVP.
0: So who have you got?
1: I mean, it's, it's M&M for me, man. Like,
0: yeah, I, I mean, he just dominates, right? But some honourable mentions, I think. I um, give I give
1: him a Kai Pfeiffer, a shout out cuz I I like Future his like you know his pal.
0: Yeah, I think his mom, like Kim Basinger is like it, it she, she plays it messed up incredibly well. Um yeah. a, a little bit of a left field one. L- uh, cheddar like I, really I, I thought Evan Jones actually had a, it like he had a it just he just sort of like had this really interesting quality that you you every again it was like the friendship thing there his group of mates are looking at him like you idiot but they all seem to sort of take care of him you know he doesn't the, does irritate him, the fuck out
1: of me though yeah, <laughs> the yeah,
0: big toe, like, you know. big toe shot himself it's like, what are you doing idiot um yeah i think those are those are my those are my winners now that that i suppose we should do the big one shouldn't we
1: the ultimate question, the ageing process, fine wine or war crime? Well, I, I think there's a, you know, there's a, there's a big white elephant in the room here, um, <laughs> which is, so what we're we talking, a movie that is about a predominantly black neighborhood in America, and we've managed to have a white writer, white director, and a white lead um, be the ones to enter into that world. Um, look, I I think the, I think we, we can, we can sort of approach this in two different ways, right? Like the fact that the, the industry, the film industry at the time only platformed a big budget Hollywood movie about rap, right? pitched and starring somebody like Eminem. Again, it's something that Eminem lampoons all throughout his own music like his very existence is you know he's he's not begrudging of it but he's also acutely aware of certain things that have allowed him to be very successful um certain things being that he's white and it was easily marketable to middle america um so yeah i think we do probably have to recognize that um from the you know from from the 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 creation of the film itself um, I think in terms of, so if we're talking about like the film itself, um, look, we are talking about this being a autobiographical story of Eminem. So we know that, you know, there has been, a uh, white rapper come up through the Detroit underground hip hop underworld and gotten to there. So this isn't like a stretch, you know, this isn't kind of some kind of white fantasy, I don't think, playing out on screen. Um, I think it's kind of like, I don't feel that... I, th- I think the thing, okay, from the film's perspective, I think the thing I struggled with the most with it is I think that at times, especially towards the beginning, they almost kind of make out like the white guy's the victim, do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they're almost yeah. kind of, they almost do a bit of a like, and I say this in air quotes, reverse racism thing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, with the bouncer not letting him back in the show and, you know, the crowd sort of booing him and stuff. But I feel that after that point, it's mostly just playful, you know, it's kind of nods to vanilla ice and him walking his white ass back across Eight Mile and all that type of thing, right? I mean, I think mostly what the film is like looking at, it's kind of, it's it's as we're talking about there, it's those kind of, because I don't feel like it's a an an expose on race per se. It's, it's about the socioeconomic struggle. It's about kind of identity, the pursuit of dreams. And I don't think it hides from the fact that the majority of the people who are, in that position of socio-economic struggle are black they're people of color you know um so i think it's you know it's 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 punchy to show that on screen again like we're saying this is kind of in a in an industry that thrives on on kind of on propaganda i mean this was made before i mean when was the wire made I'll, i'll be interested to know when the wire came out I guess it'd probably be a similar stuff. Two thousand and two, the wire began. So, yeah. I guess this these type of conversations were starting to be had. But still, I, I mean, I don't think you know, I don't really think Eight Mile dived into at all uh, the kind of the, the 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 racial element to the to the socio economic struggle at, at play. It was just it was displayed visually on the screen. screen. Um, but I don't think they, they went into it much, but like I say, I think, you know, I, I don't think there were any kind of broad generalizations made about anybody. Um, and I do, I just think that like really what it was tapping into that there was a, there was a real exploration of like class and cultural dynamics that people living in, the, in that place had a kin, had a kinship. They got along. It It, it, it didn't matter to them that they had a a different story though they were still unified by a certain common element which is that they all wanted to escape where they were from right and they all loved hip-hop so
0: you know do you you think that this is putting you on the spot a bit here? but do you think that films like this have an obligation to maybe work harder do you know what i mean by that in terms of like that we sort of see Eminem as the character. One of the, one of the things that I noticed was that during the rap battle scenes, the crowd shots show, I I think the only two white faces in the entire scene that we see would be Eminem and Britney Murphy. Yeah. And the lens is incredibly focused on those two, you know? And, And, and I wondered whether, I don't know whether you thought like that, Again, this is this is kind of autobiographical, as you say. So, it, in some sense, it's like, well, this is not a this is not a nod to the racial tensions of of that area at that time. It's actually a nod to Eminem's starting point and the fact that he he's quite self deprecating in the way that he sort of goes about his kind of ascent. Um, yeah. But I suppose the thing that that de- that stood out to me was maybe whether the film at its time was maybe less aware than it should have been of the fact that there probably wasn't other films that were offering the opportunity to tell that point of view from from a from a different angle that maybe hadn't been told.
1: I mean, let's let's I'll, I'll put it as like yes, I, I to your question, I, I do think films have an obligation to showcase this more. Like I was sort of touching on there. I think that, you know, I think to kind of gloss over the fact that there is such a disparity of kind of, you know, people of colour and white people trapped within this situation, yes, it's displayed visually, but it's never really discussed in the film. Mm. It probably should be nodded to more. I mean, I think it's it's interesting to show how, you know, because I think that one of the it's showing you like adversity again, it is like you touched on there is through that white lens. It's showing you adversity. It's showing you how Eminem as a white guy came up through a, you know, uh, a heavily kind of black world, like the hip, the underground hip hop world, at least I'm sure then. And that he probably did face a lot of cynicism and whatever, but his talent, saw people actually really admire and appreciate him, right? And you see the same happen with B-Rabbit on stage. But I think now, the past few years, the type of conversations we're having about this type of thing, it's like, well, do we need to have another story where we see the white guy win at the end? Yeah, yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Because, you know... Wouldn't it be nice to have a hopeful tale to show a kind of, you know, a younger person of colour from a lower socioeconomic status in life that, look, you know, you people like to see themselves represented on screen, right? It, it would be, yeah. you know, yeah. nice to see that. But then equally, you know, equally at the same time, <laughs> I can't speak on behalf of anybody and that I appreciate is probably massively patronising.
0: Yeah. Because would, I'm
1: sure there's plenty of people that are listening to this being like, fuck you, I like Eminem. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever. And this is one of the things that I found when I was watching the film back and that when I sort of had this question in mind, I was like, it's not for me to sort of, when we're sort of talking about how it's, how it's aged, I'm sure there are tons of people that are like, it's aged absolutely fine. Like, it's not yeah. this. is there's, there's no problem in this whatsoever because... That was... I saw a great comment on this, actually. I need to see if I can find it. It was a just... A, when I was doing research on this, it's just... Someone had written, I really enjoyed 8 Mile. As a native Detroiter, I thought this is really gonna... I'm really gonna hate this, but they got the feel of the city correct. Most of the time, when you see a crime-stricken area in a movie, you get a caricature of the place, but they nailed it. The groups of friends driving around in a beat-up car causing trouble is exactly what it's like. There's nothing else to do in Detroit, honestly. And so... This is one of the things that I was thinking when, when I was sort of watching the film, is that the other thing that we're at risk of doing is obviously applying my London lens onto yeah. a part of America that I know nothing about. You know, I suppose the only thing that I would say is that there's that in in cinema, it's there wasn't. I I don't think. in in that era, there wouldn't have been 99 other films where Eminem lost and one film where he won. You know, this was the one film and he won in that. Um, But equally, I do think it's worth probably saying that that, that there was perhaps a pathway then for someone like 50 Cent to make Get Rich or Die trying. You know, that, 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 that people perhaps they're more open to that suggestion. And there was also, I mean, there was a, a number of other rappers that would have gone on to have very successful film careers that perhaps he, or that he was taking inspiration from. Cause I mean, you've got LL Cool J, Tupac, Will Smith would have been already kind of in his ascendancy. Then Ice Cube, Um, there's like a number of people that were already in that space. So perhaps I'm doing a little bit of a disservice to say that, that this was the, this was the exception and Eminem is the front and center of it, you know? And I do think you're right as well. There is a, there was a number of very self deprecating moments within this where he kind of accepts, it makes himself the butt of the joke quite literally at one yeah. one point. Um, <laughs> mate, this was a really, I just, I did not, I had no idea that this was coming. It was such a nice gear change.
1: Yeah. I, and I, like I say, I, I, when I was thinking about it, I was like, there is actually a lot to go into on it from what I remember. And then I wasn't disappointed watching it back. Right? No. I, I, no. I was no. kind of like, you know, this is, yeah, there's a lot there. And I feel, I feel like we've done the right job, don't you? Yeah.
0: got a, right, We're yeah, really stuck into so. that. It's fab. Hit Do me you with those ratings.
1: Oh, yeah. You want to know? So we've got 7.2 on IMDb.
0: That is 0.1 better than Meet the Parents, I think, from last week.
1: So we've got a very interesting thing that I'm shocked by. So, Rotten Tomatoes, 75% certified fresh. However, the audience score, 54% rotten. Why? Green popcorn spilled out. What was the? Let's have a look. I am wow. I am genuinely wondering if it I thought if many the people other way. are watching it in Twenty Twenty Three, and are discussing many of the things we've just discussed there in Five Minor War Crime. Oh, but let's that have is a look. Mad. So, a two-star review. This is an audience review. Grade A artist, Grade D actor.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, there is. Look, we should reference. There is some sketchy acting in there. To be fair, there is. There's a. There's a few characters that are a little bit. They they remind me at times of um, Phoebe and Friends. You know when she's auditioning, she's practicing helping Joey for an audition. Yeah, uh, there's there's some that, that's that's fair. There's a couple of there's a couple of dicey performances, but I don't think it's that bad. One
1: person once they gave it one star. Eminem just doesn't have any screen presence. He's too wooden and uncharismatic. His rap battles show why he's popular. He's exceptional at creating lyrics, but it takes so much more in front of the camera. They should have cast somebody else.
0: Eh. Mm. Um. Um. I. D- I don't think there's enough there to genuinely. I don't think there's enough that th- you can actually go at him for it. You know, he's not that bad. I don't think. I thought he was fairly authentic.
1: Yeah. Oh, here's a big review. Let's Christ. Okay, no, this is very long. Um. I can't be bothered to that. <laughs> It's too long. Um. I don't know what vision, what's Vision Quest? Somebody said, this movie sucks. It reminded me of Vision Quest. <laughs> woe, woe is me, but I'm trying real hard to be somebody. Will anybody recognize my talents? This movie is lame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> vision Quest. Too much of a Debbie vision Downer Quest? to watch. It's <laughs> from, from Sarah S. Vision Quest. Is that something? 1985 film. Vision oh, Quest h- h- with h- Madonna.
1: Here's a funny one. Marshall Mathers in his own superhero movie in which he does all of the things that a 16-year-old trailer kid would find super dope. (laughs) It's an hour of Eminem performing (laughs) autofellatio in scenes designed to make him the hero over (laughs) and over and over. Oh, man. Well, look, at least the critic score is good. Mm. And Metascore... Well, here we go. Metascore, 77% on Metascore. And... The user score is given that eight point five out of ten. Okay. Universal acclaim. Okay. But no badge. No badge from Metascore. I know that's something you're very. It's a twofer, man. That's two
0: in two weeks with no badge. Yeah. So, gotta well, hope we get it right on the next one. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, do you want to know what the Los Angeles Times had to say about Eight Mile? Hit me. The film is never more real than when Jimmy unloads his anger on someone close to him—a frequent occurrence. Eminem is an actor with a rare gift for rage and movie careers, even big ones, have been built on less. That's from (laughs) Kenneth Turan.
0: God, how eloquent.
1: Yeah, so there you go. Um, But mate, right. Eight Mile, done and dusted. Thank you very much, B-Rabbit. Everybody from the 313, put your motherfucking hands up and follow me and ask Ben Haynes
0: what's on the menu for next week. Um, mate, I've got a, I've got a stormer for you. I, I mean, this. Talking of gear changes, this is the most ridiculous gear change okay. of all time. To go from eight mile to this is, I mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But we've got to do it. Um, and I know that you're going to be just completely delighted. I, I have to be honest. I was tipped off by um, by someone very close to you that you would enjoy this one so i'll just give you a few words to give it away taylor's oldest time true as it can be Oh, barely even friends then somebody bends unexpectedly (laughs) just a little change small to say the least both a little scared neither one prepared beauty (laughs) and the beast (laughs) that is the most ridiculous we've gone from eight mile to like uh, pg it's not even pg it's a u isn't it just incredible. So we will be doing Beauty and the Beast next week. All
1: all the footy lads are going to see a very different side
0: to me next week. Mate. That's all I'm
1: saying. <laughs> That's uh, look, I've built this like kind of reputation, right? To all the lads that I'm this like... You know, sarky football geezer, mate. Double R. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but the what thing, a choice. So we what haven't choice. done
0: Disney yet and we've got to do Disney no. at some point. So we haven't done, we haven't done a Disney film now. If you go, right, just take it at face value. You go, what are your five immediates that you look at? You go Beauty and the Beast, probably Aladdin, yeah. Lion King. Lion King, yeah possibly 101 Dalmatians, possibly yeah. Pinocchio, um, maybe Come Dumbo. On, we're, we're missing something
1: out, aren't we? Yeah, we Her- are. Did
0: you ever like Hercules? Loved Hercules. Yeah. Um... Let's go original Disney films because we're um, people are going to be Pocahontas. screaming Little Mermaid, Pocahontas, Little Mermaid, yeah. Cinderella. Um, I mean, but,
1: why do we got to pretend that these aren't stone cold fucking classics, mate? mate right? They're absolutely you know I mean?
0: bangers. Peter Pan, you know, these are absolutely stunning. But I and know up, that uh, you love Beauty and the Beast, right, and I was me, told off the record you one. literally could like do this one in your sleep, so. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not
1: like just just don't be deadly serious when i say this people i'm not kidding like i genuinely love this one of my favorite films of all time fantastic we're gonna find out a lot more about that next week but what a what a choice mate Um, oh mate i can't wait a choice and a pleasure as always doing this pod with you yeah
0: what a treat i'm hoping for you tonight mate that it has cooled down sufficiently that you can get a good night's sleep uh, it really has not. My face yeah, is very I'm red, very red and very sweet. Go I've on. got an,
1: I, look for the people watching on YouTube. I've done. I, we have a normal fan, right? We've got one of these tower fans, right? This is for anybody watching. Like I say, tower fan here today. The big fan has been dug <laughs> out of,
0: <laughs> The mother ship.
1: out of the loft. This bad boy that I bought in the heatwave last was year. Where's the big
0: fan? It's one of those. <laughs> One of those
1: fans that you just sit it on the floor and it sounds like an
0: aeroplane taking off. Um, Yeah, and then you're cooler, but you can't get to sleep because it's so loud.
1: Oh, no, I quite like the white noise. I quite like the white noise. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah,
1: so we're all good on that front. Um,
0: I've got a good story for you about white noise, but I'll save it for next week. Have a fabulous week, mate. And you. Take care.